You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young, Bob Huesler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. Well, hi there, and welcome to Open Court with Jay Young. This is your Fairfield University basketball podcast starring the first-year head coach of the Fairfield Stags. I'm Bob Huesler, along with the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis, and let's get right into it because there's certainly a lot of ground to cover, Coach. Um, in this first edition of the podcast, I thought we'd give the listeners a chance to get to know you, and we'll be talking plenty of Fairfield basketball along the way. It's been about 10 months since you interviewed for this job and took the job, and first question would be, now that we're 10 months plus into this, what has been your biggest unanticipated challenge of the job so far? Well, first, thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate you guys taking the time to, to do this. This is awesome. I, I think the, uh, you know, I was an assistant for a long time. I had been a head coach for a few years at Division Two at junior college. So I came into it uh, thinking I, I knew most of the stuff, and I quickly realized I didn't know anything. <laughs> uh, the, the first few days on the job were completely overwhelming to me. I think to answer your question, Bob, just the amount of time that you have to spend with stuff that isn't really basketball-related. I think as an assistant, you're recruiting, you're scouting, you're working with the guys. There's a lot more that comes on your desk every day uh, as a head coach that you kind of have to deal with. And uh, and that's probably been it. Uh, uh, so just the time constraint that you use with, with stuff, uh, whether it's promotions, whether it's someone wanting you to speak or, or an alumni event that, uh, that I, I didn't anticipate it taking that much of my time uh, when I was an assistant. How much better are you at that now that you've had, uh, you know, a few laps? Yeah, I think uh, I'm better at it. Um, I, I know how necessary it is, uh, especially when you get to the mid-major level and you're trying to generate um, some revenue through fundraising and you're trying to generate some interest in the program. So it's an important part of it. Uh, I hope I'm better. I don't know if I was any good at first, but uh, I hope every time I get to speak or, or go out and meet people in the community that, that I do a little better job each time. Is that something that came naturally to you? I mean, you uh, uh, impress us as a people person, but still that's an anticipation that maybe uh, you may have thought, I'm a good people person, yet doing that kind of stuff, going out, meeting people, promoting the program, maybe it doesn't come as naturally as you might have thought. Well, I love talking about basketball, and I love talking about Fairfield basketball. So that that part of it is natural. I, I would say the public speaking part of it, yeah. you know, I didn't have a lot of opportunity to do that before. And, and you know, honestly, you get up there in front of some people, and you want to try and do a good job and uh, not be nervous and, and come across as, as uh, that, you, that you know what you're talking about. So that part, that part of it is something that I'm, I kind of try to get better at each time I do speak. Jay, what um – you worked a lot of years as an assistant coach. What head coach was good at that that you worked for? Uh, you know, I I think uh, Steve Pike was was the best I've ever seen. He he's uh, he's a natural at it, um, and he just gets up there. There's no script. There's, I've never seen him write down a note. Uh, he just kind of gets up there, and he's so good at it. He engages the crowd. He's funny. Uh, so I I tried to learn a lot from him. But he he really can get up there and. Uh, and uh, do a great job no matter what the topic is. He, he's really good at it. By the way, Jay, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but um, our loyal uh, Fairfield uh, fans probably remember that 
we tried to recruit Steve Peichel here That's for right. Fairfield. He was one of our top guys, great family. Yeah. Uh, this was during the Mitch Bonaguro days, and I remember he came to watch a game. And uh, it was an afternoon game, and he was up with his high school coach, and we, both teams were out on the court for the national anthem, and it didn't work. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's why we didn't get him, but but uh, I remember Mitch was going bananas after that. But well, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, it was Tim O'Toole his host on the trip. Yeah, or was he? That, that's probably yeah, why that, we didn't that, get that, him. Because <laughs> every time every, I've heard that story before, that he was uh, Tim was actually his host on his official visit. There's got to be a story there. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there is. All right, so. Uh, We've talked about the biggest challenge, and it sounds like uh, you've uh, handled that challenge well. Certainly from where we sit, you're handling it very well. What about um, how have you been surprised in a pleasant way about this job so far? Maybe something in a pleasant manner that you didn't anticipate coming. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. You know, I, there's nothing that's, that's surprised me. Um, I love – I forgot how much I love being in practice and really – uh, being the head coach of practice every day. Um, that's what I love the most. The games are, are torture for me. The practices I love. Uh, I love getting out there, sweating with the guys, coaching. Um, and, you know, I was an assistant for 11 years at Stony Brook and another three at Rutgers. So it was 14 years since I was a head coach. And I kind of had not f- lost interest, but I hadn't done it in a while. So, uh that's the part that I enjoy the most, just kind of getting out there with the whistle around your neck again and, and running your practices. Which uh, brings us to another question about you and your background and the unconventional route that you took to becoming a basketball coach, not just a head basketball coach, right. a basketball coach. I think a lot of our listeners know that, um, well, they know you went to Marist, maybe a lot of them do, but maybe some of them don't know that you know, you weren't a college basketball player. You were a high school basketball player and a high school football player. But as uh, you put it in one interview, you found out you were pretty good with the stick. You were a lacrosse player. Right. And you get from lacrosse to basketball coaching. Well, I, I grew up around basketball. Um, my dad was a high school basketball coach and then became the athletic director of the school uh, about 20 minutes from where I grew up. So as a kid... You know, anybody who grew up with a dad who's a coach, he, you're always tagging along with him. You're always going to practices. You're always going uh, to every single sporting event that I can remember. And uh, he would always take my brothers and I with him. So I kind of gravitated towards, you know, I was always around players and always around coaches. Uh, when I got done playing high school basketball, I just wasn't good enough to be a Division One player, and I went to Marist, and I ended up, becoming very good friends with the assistant coach at Marist at the time on the basketball team. His name was Jimmy Todd. Jimmy had known my dad from being a high school coach in Massachusetts, so they were friends. So there was a natural connection with him. And those were the days where, you know, you weren't filling out compliance forms or anything. So if they ever needed a guy to help work them out, uh, another guy or a guy to jump in playing pickup, or it was a great way for me to still keep playing and, and stay active. And what happened was after I graduated, uh, I went back to where I grew up. I was living at home, and Jimmy left Marist and took a Division three job at Salem State College. And I was just kind of trying to figure out life at the time uh, and not doing a great job of it. And he called me up and said, hey, would you be interested in being my assistant coach? I think it's something you'd be good at. So I said, yeah, it kind of sounds like fun. And, and uh, I did it and started enjoying it. And that's kind of how the whole thing started. Uh, from there, I moved on and just kind of moved up the ladder every step. And 
I was probably if I if Jimmy wasn't the assistant at Marist, I don't know if I would have gotten into coaching, but just kind of kind of uh, you know organically transitioned into that, and uh, you know thirty years later, I'm the head coach at Fairfield. And Jim Todd is still in the NBA. He is not. He uh, he was was for many years. Yeah, for many years, for many years. Matter of fact, he was the. Uh, Interim coach for the L.A. Clippers after Chris Ford left, and then he bounced around, was with the Knicks, Knicks yeah. yeah, with Mike Woodson for a while. And, um, and the Knicks were good. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the last time they made the playoffs. So, yeah. uh, no, he's been a, a great friend of mine and a huge mentor, and um, that's, that's kind of how this whole thing got started. I imagine he was uh, one of the first people who uh, reached out to you when uh, you got this job. That must have been a nice moment for him when you landed this Fairfield job. I think it was. We, you know, we talked so often and, and have remained very, very close. So even going through the interview process, uh, he was giving me advice and, and, uh, and, uh, and talking me through some things. So it was, it was a very good uh, moment for, for both of us. And uh, he and his wife, Gail, have, have been very good friends of, of ours, my wife and ours, for, for a lot of years. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. It really was. You're uh, in your mid-50s. and I, I am. Uh-huh. I hope I didn't. I didn't speak out of school here, did I? <laughs> I let. <laughs> it just took the wind out of the interview, right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it leads to uh, the question, and I'm sure a lot of people, you, yourself most notably, were wondering: Okay, would I ever get that Division One job, that head coaching job right. that I wanted? After I believe there were several disappointments along the way, right? Sure. How did you keep driving? What What kept you going? Did you ever think eh, maybe this isn't going to happen? Well, I think, you know, for anyone, I'm, a, I'm usually a pretty optimistic and positive person. But even when you go through them, you have those moments of doubt. You're getting up there in age, and, you know, it does work against you in this profession, especially for a, being a first-time head coach. So there were, the, there were those moments where I started saying, you know, I'm going to be 55, 56. You know, I'm going to have to have an AD take a leap of faith on someone my age. But, you know, Bob, I always thought if I just kind of kept grinding, I kept, kept working at it, um, I believe that if that good things were going to happen for me, and there were a lot of disappointments along the way, but you know, I think I said this in my press conference that if you're going to preach that to your team about overcoming adversity, and um, you know that you got to live it yourself, and I tried to do that for the best part. But yeah, I mean, there were those natural moments where you sat there after you know you came clo- so close on a couple of jobs and didn't get them that you're wondering if you're ever going to get a chance to do it. And luckily, uh, you know, Paul Slickman took a chance on me and. Um, and, uh, you know, I got a, got a chance at 55 years old to be a Division One head coach. And what was it about Fairfield that you found attractive, and what did you do to sell yourself to Fairfield? Well, I always thought when jobs came open that, you know, the Catholic school I grew up, I went to a Catholic elementary school, Catholic high school, I went to a Catholic college, um, that that was kind of going to be in my wheelhouse if one of those jobs did open up. I knew what a great academic reputation Fairfield had. I had a niece who just graduated from here uh, two years before I got here. So I knew what a great school it was. I had been up and down the Northeast Corridor recruiting my whole life. I thought it was in a perfect area to uh, recruit with. If you really wanted to drop a school anywhere in the Northeast, Fairfield, Connecticut would be a pretty good area to drop it because within a 300-mile radius, you got some really, really good players. So um, – I was very interested in the job, and obviously I had known Paul from my days at Stony Brook working there. I think he was there out of my uh, 11 years. He was there the first five or six, so we had a relationship beforehand. I had a lot of respect for him um, and how hard he worked. I was interested in you know, having a good relationship with an athletic director, which I think was important. I thought I could have that with him. 
So it just it just checked off so many boxes. And from a personal standpoint, I grew up uh, in Massachusetts. My whole family is still there. Um, you know, I get get a little closer to to them. So it it was really I thought the perfect opportunity for me when the job did open up. A moment ago, you mentioned about um, the three hundred mile radius and Fairfield, and you're right in the middle of that radius. A lot of great basketball talent. Did you kind of just tell us in a way what your recruiting philosophy is? Um, is that it? And maybe you can even more specifically tell us what it is you're going to do when uh, you go out as a recruiter here. Well, you know, I, I always say that you got to go where the players are, and um, this is a great area for basketball. The Northeast, um, you know, I, I had a lot of success recruiting uh, this area in the past when I was an assistant and uh, feel very comfortable in this area with the high school coaches and the AAU coaches. But that's not to say, you know, when I was at Stony Brook, we went over and we got two good players from England um, who had great impact. Matter of fact, one of them is playing at Rutgers now, transferred for a fifth year. But most of the recruiting was done, you know, right in our own backyard where, um, you know, we thought we could be successful at. And I feel the same. I just feel it's such a great area. Um, and, you know, there's no reason why we can't draw um, some people locally to come here and have great careers. And uh, we got one, one sitting right in front of us who did a pretty good job. So um, I think that formula has worked for me. I feel comfortable recruiting in the Northeast. And certainly we're going to, uh, we're going to, you know, explore that avenue first, I would say, then, then, then go somewhere else. Your coaching philosophy. Now, a lot of coaches throughout the ages have said defense, rebounding, rebounding, defense, defense, and rebounding. If I were, and that's you, clearly that is you. That's what we've heard from you from, from the day you were introduced right. here at Fairfield. But if I were to say what differentiates how you approach that, what is that Jay Young approach and what maybe will put your stamp on it in terms of just that general philosophy of we're going to defend and we're going to rebound? How would you put it? You know, I, I don't think I have any secret sauce here. I haven't reinvented a man-to-man defense. What I do, you know, anybody can do. Uh, I would say the one thing that we are consistently doing every day is just preaching those two things and we don't waver from that. We don't have a practice where we don't spend a ton of time defending and rebounding. We never do. If you went to one of our practices, the first drill that we do every day is a defensive closeout drill, and we've never not done that drill. We almost always do one to two rebounding drills per practice. So I think it's just the consistency of the message that we give every day. Um, And the other thing is the guys have seen what that can do for them, Um, that the offense – you know, certainly we've, we've been offensively challenged is the best way to put it. But we've been able to stick around games because of defensive rebounding and hopefully make a couple plays at the end. And, um, you know, I, I always go back to, you know, the descriptive phrases that, that people use when they usually talk about good defensive teams, that they're tough, they're competitive. And that's that's what I want our team to be. Those are the phrases I like to hear. And uh, I just I just think, Bob, that we just kind of live it every single day. It's not something we just say. It's not a slogan on the wall uh, that you don't do it. Every day we go out to practice and, and we, inf- we reinforce what we're, what we're going to be. Okay. Um, this is a compliment to you, but I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. And I was t- telling Bob earlier, um, and the reason why it's a compliment, because I feel comfortable asking you. Um, but I'm going to put you on the spot. So – you go to Canisius and you win 44 to whatever. You have 18 at half. Marist, you have 20 at half. Do you come in the next day 
after a loss to Maris with your staff, and I'm not saying uh, you take away what, – what are you guys talking about with your offense? Are you going to change, which I think you did a little bit somewhat for the Manhattan, your personnel in terms of where you put certain guys? Maybe you can get into that. Are you going to change to get better offensively and sacrifice a little bit your defense or no? You know, I, I believe, you know, defense doesn't win championships. Balance wins championships, that, that you have to have balance. You can't be just so great on defense and not have any offensive ability. Those teams usually don't win. You'll win some games, but you'll never be uh, where you want to be. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, we, we talk about offense a ton. And usually when we come back in and we watch the film, we, we, we've tried to keep it real consistent, win or lose. And I'm a big uh, believer that you evaluate the wins the same way that you do your losses, that the reaction is different to those type of things, but the evaluation should be the same. Uh, we've won games here, and we've come back, and we've been really angry at, at our execution. We think we can get better. So we usually come in, and the next day or whenever that next practice is, where uh, before we go back on the court and figure out what we're doing next for a team, we're addressing what we did, the, the, our mistakes the night before. Uh, and things we did well the night before or, or whatever that day is. So, we're, yeah, yeah we're, Joe, we're always looking at the offensive stuff. For us, it's usually about the details of what we're doing, um, our angles to screen, our cuts, where we are p- putting guys to help them be a little more su- successful because we got to help them. That's our job as coaches to help these guys offensively. And, you know, and taking care of the basketball, that's that's another thing that we're really focusing on is, is you know, how can we limit some turnovers and turn those into shots, and then we got a chance, even if they're missed shots, a chance to offensive rebound them. So we do spend a lot of time uh, watching offense, probably more film on offense than we do defense, um, and trying to help them because we need that's certainly an area we need to get better and we need to have more balance on. Did, did you, was I saying things, or did you guys decide to move Cruz from a three to a four? Well, against Manhattan, we, we wanted we, we moved Idis in because we wanted the additional ball handler. Um, well, the fact that he's playing so well, yeah, helps. You. No question, yeah. no question. And he's starting to come along after he was you know sat out so long. But um, <clears throat> you know, Jesus had been struggling. Uh, we wanted to put him. We call it the four hole right around the foul line and let him try and operate in that area because when the ball was getting in there. They were matching up man-to-man. So we thought if we could get him some catches in there and, and get him one-on-one isolations and get him to his right hand, he's pretty good. So we did put him in that area. We're going to move him a little bit more around. And, and what's happened, too, a little bit is, you know, like anything else, films have gotten out on our guys, and it's just not as easy for as, as it was at the beginning of the season when he's, you know, he's the third name on the scouting report or the fourth name. Now he's the first name up there. So it's a little tougher for But we are trying to help these guys out and trying to, you know, either come up with a little twist to a play that we already have, put something else in to, to get them shots in the areas that they're good at. Jay, um, and I'm a little bit behind in this because I haven't coached in 13 years, but there's a thing called synergy now where you just press a button, right? right. And it's not like the old days. And I'm kind of defending the players. It's harder now, I think, question, yeah. to be consistently good because this synergy allows you – why don't you elaborate on what it does? I don't want to screw it up. No, you're you're right, Joe. It's basically it's it's a program now that we that everybody has that you can basically at the click of a, a button you can take a look at every shot that a guy's taken, where he's taken it from. Uh, it'll give you information on what his points per possession are, what his uh, uh, whether he's missed, whether he's made it, um, where he's taken it on the floor. So 
there are no secrets anymore of, of anything. Uh, and it becomes with scouting being as advanced as it is. I'm, I remember my first job as a uh, grad assistant in Northeastern for Carl Fogle. You know, you have the two VHS tapes and you're putting one in. <laughs> Tell me about you're it. putting one in and you're trying to record on the other and trying to hit two remotes. And, and it's uh, – uh, I, I tell Jimmy all the time, our director of ops, how easy he's got it compared to the old days. Oh, God. Um, but, yeah, the, it's, it's scouting is very advanced. And uh, guys got to work harder. And same thing with Landon. We're on Landon about, you know, uh, his setups off the ball and working harder before his catches now to get some more separation because he's being s- scouted so well. They know our plays. We're trying to put in some wrinkles to help. But uh, a lot of that has to do with just how advanced scouting is. You're right. I, I, I got to tell this quick story. Our listeners will get a kick out of this. So back in the day when I was an assistant with Mitch, and Mitch had come from working with Roley where you had to know everything the other team did, the NCA allowed you to do one paid scout. So I had Holy Cross, Manhattan, whoever. So I would get reimbursed for that one scout. And Mitch was so hard on us. If we didn't have stuff in the report and it came out in the game, we would literally get screamed at. I used to pay my own way and see each team like 10 right. times on my own. Right. Because it was so hard to get tape back then. And But um, it's changed. It definitely, it's definitely changed. And scouting has definitely caught up with players. For those fans who think that teams don't know what a player is going to do, they just don't understand. Yeah, and the same, you know, the same for us. We're going to go in now tonight. We're going to go over St. Peter's, and we're going to watch a ton of personnel, and we're going to show the guys, you know, and this is not the first time they've seen it, but they're going to show their misses, their makes, where they're catching the ball, um, you know, what their go-to move is, what their strengths, what their weaknesses are, and we're going to try to, you know, defend those. So every team's doing the same thing. But, yeah, it's not like the old days where there was a lot of guessing. They People right. really do know. I used to say this when I was in the Big Ten. I thought it was as well a scouted league as you could have because as soon as you, you know, and there's a lot more personnel there that's involved with scouting, but as soon as you would call a play, uh, whether it's Michigan State or Purdue, the entire bench is standing up screaming and telling where to go. And you really have to kind of add some wrinkles each game to, to try and catch the opponents a little bit off guard. Coach, I'd like to, now that you're well into the job, I'd like to give you a chance to do what I'll call a lightning round. I'm going to throw out a name of a Fairfield player and just a few thoughts on each of those players. Sure. It gives us an idea of what you've learned about that player. It gives our listeners an idea of what you think of that particular player in terms of player and person as well. I'll go right from the top. How about Itis? Yeah, I, great kid. Um, he's really helped us lately, obviously, um, coming off this injury, and he's getting better, and he gives us a true point guard. Guy who kind of lives and breathes it every day, and um, he's turned in. He, actually, he's he's been a better shooter early than I was expecting. So that's a good thing. I don't want that to, to uh, change, but uh, he's given us a, a great boost. The guy who began the season as your point guard, your lead point guard, Taj Benning. Yeah, Taj. Taj is uh, kind of my type of kid. Um, he he he's competitive. He defends. Um, in fairness to him, we kind of handed him the ball when I just was injured and said, okay, go ahead and now run your team. And I thought he did a great job of that. Um, but he's a grinder. I love the way he rebounds out of the guard position. I think he's the leading rebounder, guard rebounder in the league or one of the top. And I love the way he competes uh, and and uh, and the way he shows up every day for practice and, and uh, just plays his tail off. The guy who now owns the record for most three-pointers right. made in a, uh, in a game, Landon Taliaferro. 
Well, obviously, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is how well he shoots the ball. Um, but I think he's worked hard on the offseason of being a little bit of a driver. And uh, and he's probably um, going to be glad he's only one, with me one year because I'm on him so much about his defense. <laughs> you know, and I think he has improved in that area, in an area that he probably, uh, trying to put this gently, didn't spend a lot of time on in the, in, in the past or wasn't really focused on in the past that we've made him kind of uh, – you know, look at that area as, a, as an important area of his game because, as I tell him, it's 50% of the game, you know, and he's got he's to do a little better job with that. But he's bought in, and he's he's been awesome. And, uh, and you know, hopefully he can have a few more nights like he had the other night. Jesus Cruz. Yeah, same thing. Jesus, um, you know, he's he's got the, the – I, I say it in a, as a compliment, he's got the rec league game where he's just so crafty around the basket and um, – uh, He's he's got a really unique type of game offensively, and then you know defensively he just kind of can guard a couple different positions, and um, and you know he's same thing. He kind of brings it every day, and and uh, he's been a lot of fun to coach. First year stag uh, guy you're brought into the tra- uh, program as a transfer out of Maine, Vincent Easy. I think consistency is the first uh, consistency is the first thing that comes to my mind with him. You know he he. You know, people ask me, you know, what he he's like he is every day in practice. He never takes a drill off. He uh, communicates in practice. He plays hard. He competes. And what you see is what you get. And, uh, you know, I, I usually know that every night with Vince, he's got to give me a great effort. We go from a guy with a lot of experience and easy to one of your freshmen, Chris Mido. Yeah, upside, I guess, is the first thing that comes to everybody's mind that uh, I think he's got, you know, a tremendous upside. Uh, he's a terrific kid, very coachable, and uh, I think you can see his confidence starting to improve a little, just a little bit with each game once he gets a little more comfortable. I think he's a different player than he was when we threw it up versus Bucknell, what he is now. So he's got to get stronger, um, you know, in, in a perfect world. Probably if we had a little more depth, it would be a good opportunity to redshirt him this past year, but we didn't have that, and, uh, you know, he's got a bright future for us. Wasef Methnani. Yeah, Wasif gives us uh, uh, you know some versatility at the four and five, like his skill level. Uh, got to turn it over less. You know, he's got to be a little uh, less risky with some stuff that he does. <laughs> I guess that's a, the best way to put it. But he gives us a skilled guy who can play either position. Um, and he's getting he's the last few games he's he's been you know his ball security's been a little better. Um, and uh, you know my trust in him has grown as as we move forward here. Kevin Sanghor Peterson. Yeah, Kevin. Kevin, I liked. Uh, you know, I got here. I didn't know a lot about Kevin. Really, didn't have any numbers um, from from last year. So, uh, Kevin's uh, Kevin's coming along. I think his confidence is starting to come. Uh, I don't know how confident he was at the beginning, and um, he's really done a good job defending other fives. It gives us kind of a two-headed monster when you put Vince, and then he can back it up with him too. So, he's been a, a, a solid rebounder and. Uh, and I think his offense is just kind of slowly improving. Uh, um, got to finish a few more plays around the basket, which we're working on him every day. But great, another great kid, and and just uh, you know, very. Uh, I appreciate his work ethic. I really do. Calvin, Calvin Whipple. Yeah, Cal. Cal's. Uh, you know, he's from Central Mass, so I, I had liked him automatically. Uh, but uh, obviously, a guy, another guy who can make a shot. Um, you know, he. Kind of took a little step back. He got really sick here, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, right around final exam, and lost 14, 15 pounds. So that didn't help him much. And he's just starting to get back now. And, uh, 
you know, uh, another guy who's got to, you know, be more than a shooter. I want these guys, and I, he's worked hard to put the ball down. We used him a little bit early as a backup point guard. I thought he did a pretty good job when we had to spell Taj for a few minutes. And, uh, you know, he's he's a tough kid, and I, 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 you know, just love his approach every single day in practice. And the guy who you brought in very late when uh, you got here, uh, one of your uh, last recruits was Alan Jean Rose. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find him some more minutes. Um, he's another guy that I think has got a bright future. We've got to get him on the floor a little bit, and sometimes that's just tough to do, especially when we're in, you know, uh, all these games where one or two possessions are huge for us, and you just trust some of the older guys a little more. Um, but he's athletic, long, uh, can does a little bit of everything. Got to kind of get a trick with it, something he does really well. Got to find that out. Um, but he's coming along, and if you watch where he progressed from when we first got him to now, uh, I think his upside is great too. Final thing for me, and that doesn't preclude Joe from jumping in here with a few more things, but now you're getting an idea of the Mac. You've seen you know, teams on tape. Uh, you probably have a better idea of where you might fit into the whole scheme right now. The coaches picked you last place preseason. I don't think anybody – Thinks that was a uh, on the money mark now, a money prediction. Now you guys certainly uh, project better than that. But how do you see the MAC? Where is the ceiling for Fairfield here? You're not a last place team, that's for sure. But um, you know what? Where can you go? I mean, this MAC. The general feeling is the conference is wide open. How uh, how much potential does Fairfield have as far as maybe uh, shocking a few people along the way is concerned? You know, honestly, um, uh, yeah, I, I agree with what you said from from all the tape that I've watched. That it, it's a very balanced coach. It's a very balanced league right now. It's a very well coached league. But, and this might sound like coach speak. The only thing we talk about is how to beat St. Peter's on Wednesday night, and the rest will just take yep. care of itself. Yep. So, um, you know, in nine weeks from now, uh, or nine weeks from Sunday there's going to be a team from the MAC unless they change the rules that goes to the NCAA tournament. And I think it's up for grabs, but I'm all about like that just takes care of itself. If your process is good and you concentrate on, you know, we got to be one point better than St. Peter's on Wednesday night. And then at the end of the season, you just are where you are because of that process. So that's kind of how I think. And I know people don't like to hear that, but that's what I try and preach to the team. We got to win one game in a row. That's our goal. And then after St. Peter's, that's going to be the goal for the next game is just to win one in a row. That's actually uh, the answer I anticipated. <laughs> and I wasn't trying to get you in to go somewhere yeah. where you, you didn't want to go. But obviously, uh, you look at teams that have succeeded in the past. That is clearly always the right way to go. Just worry about who's in front of you that's right. right now. That's St. Peter's. Joe, anything else? Yeah. Bob, Jay, Bob wanted me to ask you about your cheating Red Sox manager. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it worked for the Patriots. We won a Super Bowl when we did it. So, you know, it was, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I knew I, I was uh, texting with my brothers last night about that, too. So it'd be interesting. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we're getting a lot of bad press for he, our cheating. He might, he might be in big trouble. Yeah, I think you're right. I Especially if they found out. they. Are, I think they already know that he's the the Astros Right. He started it with them. He's the ringleader. If they find out he cheated with the Red Sox, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, <clears throat> we could do an entire podcast I here. I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> but we have a big Red Sox fan in, in Jay and a, and a Yankees hater. 
And we have a huge Yankees fan here and a Red Sox hater in Joe. And I was going to try and be like Switzerland <laughs> and stay neutral and keep you guys away from each other. But you opened the door, Joe. So somewhere down the line, we're going to. Uh, I hated the Red Sox. I mean, I hated the Yankees a lot more growing up as a kid than I did later in life because they were kind of tough to hate later in life. I hated Mickey Rivers and Lou Pinella. Yeah, well, we, and we tortured Greg you back then. You did. You You've did. Won the whole, I go to a lot of games, and the, the whole M.O. of the fans has changed. It's There's different no now. It, it used to be uh, brutal when you guys didn't win in 100 years. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, my nephews now grow up with you know championships in football yeah, and the spoiled. Celtics, and yep. they think that this is what's supposed to happen. I explained yeah. to them <laughs> it didn't happen that And much. with the Yankees fans, uh, I call the new uh, generation the 96ers. They know nothing beyond yeah. – yeah, right. before that's 1996, true. Right, true, and they're yeah. all spoiled too. So, yeah, yeah things have uh, – we talked about how much things have changed as far as basketball and basketball coaching is concerned. It's certainly changed as far as uh, baseball is concerned as well. But that, as I said, that could be another podcast, right? Maybe Joe and uh, Coach will do that. It'd be fun, Joe. We should do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Coach, really uh, was enjoyable. Well, I'm glad we guys. finally got a chance to do this, and we're going to do, be doing it, you know, all the time right through the rest of the season. So we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks as always, Joe. That'll do it for this first edition of Open Court with Jay Young. We'll be back with you again next week. We'll talk about the Stags games against St. Peter's and Iona and the upcoming games against Quinnipiac and Canisius. So for Coach Young and Joe DeSantis, I'm Bob Usler. Thanks for listening to Open Court. The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.